You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello. Welcome to Utopia, Stephen Chicken here. Sound a little bit hoarse. <laughs> You've not got the virus though, have you? I've not got the virus now. I've uh, I've had Fraser Campbell's tonsillitis. <laughs> Fraser Campbell's tonsillitis. Nice. Um, David Hunter, how are you? Have you got the virus? No, I'm absolutely fine. Good. Apart from a bad back still, but I'm absolutely fine. Yeah, you've been through the ringer this morning, haven't you? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Whatever I say to that, you're just going to make the next comment. So, right. Well, we're laughing, but probably we shouldn't be. Yeah, we should be taking things very, very seriously. Yeah, Leeds United, them up road, win one two nil on Saturday, didn't they? Mm. Against Town. No yeah, less. yeah. And I think before we talk a bit about Town, I think we should probably talk a bit about Leeds to put the talk about town in context really and I said this in the five conclusions but Leeds are really good yeah unfortunately they are the real deal yeah and you can downplay it and you know say well they're not that good or I've seen better sides but there was a good couple of 15 minute spells in that game Saturday where they were outstanding they were almost unplayable yeah and they arguably it should have been four nil based on those two spells alone. Yeah. So, well, I, I, you'd say that. I mean, they'd won four nil against Hull the previous game, and I went to the the lads who cover Leeds, our colleagues at Leeds Live, and said to them, "Well, how does that rate in terms mm-hmm. of Leeds performances?" Because I just wanted to sort of get a level, yeah. and they said um, it's about as good as they've been yeah. in their run. But Town have been better than a lot of the teams they've faced. Yeah, I've I've done. I worked it out. I think I've done nine Leeds games this season, all told, and six of them have been at home. I've not seen them play better live this mm. season, and lesser sides who set up in a different way would have gone for five or six on Saturday. Yeah. Ge- genuinely, they would. Yeah. Um, and some of the reaction from some of the town fans, I think, has been way over the top because. Leeds aren't average, they are really, really good, but they're two years into a project with a manager who has got a properly storied pedigree. Mm. This is not a normal bloke. And we will talk a little bit about Danny Cowley's comments, I'm sure. But they are two years into this, they've invested fairly heavily, they've got a good squad, they've got an excellent fitness department Mm. who has pulled that squad up from where they were last season. I did a lot of games last season and the thing that killed them was they they just ran out of steam and they're not running out of steam this time. They're also not getting like a myriad of muscle injuries like they got last time. So this downplaying of Leeds as somebody like Town should have beat or could have done better against, I think is crazy because they they were utterly brilliant. And I mean, like... I'm fairly certain anyway they're going to go up, but I'm now even more certain that they're probably going to win that league at a canter. Yeah. Because I just don't think West Brom will catch them in the form they're in. They're hitting their hitting their straps at exactly the right time. So let's now talk about Huddersfield Town in that context instead of just saying, can't believe they beat us. Yeah. I mean, I know it's a local derby, and as we've said many times before, you and I are sort of invested neutrals is probably Mm. the best way of putting it you know we've both got big soft spot for town and want them to do well but at the end of the day neither of us is a town fan but so I understand why some people would react the way they Mm. did also at this stage of the season when the relegation threat is still looming I think it's going to be like this with a lot of if not all of town's defeats until they're safe yeah. Um, regardless of who they're playing mm. against, I think that's how it's just going to be. But I don't think Town disgraced themselves. They, they had no. difficulty, I think, early in the second half, I think it's fair to say. But 
the goal, the first goal they conceded right at the beginning. It, there's, there's maybe you know you could say, oh, Willock should have got back, Grant should have got back, they should have mm. stopped the cross, but there was enough in that move that it was like, do you know what that, and the finish in particular, yeah, it was just like, do you know what, that's just a brilliant goal. Really. It was, it was, but I made the point in in the conclusions, and I stick to it that it's like it, it's a really frustrating goal because. I think it's Chalabar, O'Brien and Simpson are all out there. I think it's Willock, not O'Brien. Is it Willock? Yeah. Um, with sort of vague intentions of trying to cut the cross down, but none of them actually does anything. Mm. None of them, if you look, none of them actually go to the ball in a meaningful manner to cut that out. And then Carlin Grant is caught ball watching. He's literally looking at the crosser for the entirety of the move until the ball is coming over his head and he and suddenly, suddenly realises Ailing has, has literally just strolled into the space behind him and he's in trouble. So, like, it was a great assist from the game's best player, Jack Harrison, yeah. and it was a great finish, but it was very preventable. But the thing is, it was three minutes in, and I know this sounds a bizarre thing to say, but up until that point, Town had actually been really good. Yeah, they were. That, that was Leeds' first meaningful attack, first cross, first shot that they yeah. scored from. Town had, had pushed them back. Willock had already been on the ball a couple of times and was looking to really push that fullback back. And I was actually sat there thinking, Town are having a proper go here. Yeah, they score that goal and it just it took the air out of them for sort of 10, 15 minutes as it as it does for all clubs in any situation to concede an early goal. But then Town got back into it, mm. you know, and they finished the half strong. Chalabar, that was one of those chances that if it had fallen to a striker, you'd yeah. think they'd at least make the goalkeeper work a bit harder. But it was, it was difficult. But I think if you take that, that, first half and just remove the goal from it which again it's a bit you know yeah <laughs> bit of a big ass but if you take that goal from it I think town fans get in at that break and say that was a really good half yeah if it was if it was nil nil they'd say do you know what we might get something here we might not but that's that's okay the problem is they have conceded that yeah. goal and then there was a good five ten minute spell where Leeds were just all over them the the movement round midfield playing a two-man midfield against Leeds is bold anyway mm. and O'Brien you know we know that he does the work of two and a half players sometimes but they were they were getting overwhelmed and what I, what was interesting right from the first minute was the the home game against Leeds Leeds set themselves up to just overcome everything Huddersfield threw at them with their system so they didn't do anything particularly special or particularly different and you know Huddersfield went at them first half in that home game and played pretty well but just had no cutting edge yeah. and Leeds just trusted their system to overcome and as soon as they got that goal that's what happened whereas on Saturday there was you can see how far town have come on the Cowley because there were so many intricacies to what they were doing so you had Bamforth making that same six feet run straight across just to go from one centre back to the other just to create confusion all the time you had Ben White stepping across on Carlin Grant every single time. Yep. You know, people have said to me, Grant played badly. He didn't play very well, but he was he was double marked yeah. almost every time. He even had ben, a sniff of getting ben on White the ball. Ben White was fantastic. He was, he was absolutely brilliant because he's extra man in defence and an extra man in midfield. Yeah. He's like incredible. But then there were also other things, you know, Harrison had clearly been told to isolate Simpson one-on-one -on -one every single time they possibly could. Yeah. Leeds targeted that right-hand side. They were brave. They kept sticking a man behind Toffolo when he ran up, so Toffolo couldn't just no, run that, with, that's, with the freedom. That's the most conservative performance we've seen from Toffolo. Yeah, so there's all these intricacies that Leeds had to plan for Huddersfield Town, and, and they did. And don't get me wrong, they, they were outstanding, as we've said, and won. But again, take that as a marker of how far town yeah. have come as well. Because six months ago, Leeds would have just expected to show up as they did in the home game. It's something that I thought as well with the Bristol and Charlton games that, that came before it, which is both of those games saw the manager change their system yeah. specifically to try and counter town, which mm. is, as you say, early this season, there's been a lot of criticism we talked last week about you know, the, oh, the Cowley's out of an identity, which we think is nonsense. But I think that comes from mm. 
the fact that in the first sort of up until New Year, up until the transfer window, they were they had to be reactive just to scratch and claw and they had yeah. to look at what other teams were doing and, and try and counter that. Now they actually do have a system and we're starting to see, as you say, other teams changing the way that they play mm. and putting plans in place to actually stop town from playing. Yeah. Which is a, a real positive. It is. And there's been a few people who've just sort of chosen to ignore everything and just say town play badly, but there, there were all these battles going on and all these very deliberate actions by Leeds players that were that that were knocking town out of their rhythm constantly. Yeah. You know, like you, if you can't hit that diagonal to Grant and have Tuffalo on the overlap, that is a huge part of Town's attacking Arsenal done. Now the thing is. Every team in the league could try to do what Leeds did, but they haven't got the personnel to do it. They haven't got the players who are good enough to do it. So it's not like Town have been found out and that's all, you know, mm. somebody's got the cheat codes for them now. It, that's not the case. It's just that Leeds have the players to enact a proper game plan and they did. And I think part of the criticism comes from the second half performance because. Leeds came out after half-time with their tails up. I don't know what Bielsa had said to them at half-time, but the 15 minutes after half-time, they, they were unplayable. There's yeah. no one in that league would have lived with Leeds no. in, that, in, in that spell. I mean, a Town did phenomenally well, to be perfectly honest with you, to concede the goal they did, which was all in pretty unlucky because it was an unbelievable save from last Yeah, it was. Clawing it back out. And... Bamford, for once, his striker's instinct kicked in and he was actually in the right place at the right time to tap in. Me and you both sat there after half-time thinking, this is just incredible seeing it live. And we do have a theory, don't we, Steve? (laughs) Yeah, we do. Yeah, we think that a lot of the play, a lot of the players, a lot of the fans that watched it on a live stream, which you shouldn't have been doing here in the UK, but let's say some of you uh, maybe were abroad for the weekend, yeah. had a much dimmer view on the game than the fans that were in attendance mm. from from the people that were spoken to. Yeah, and we think that is just because when you could see the whole pitch, it, Leeds are so impressive and. Not, I mean, we're praising Leeds an awful lot, and that is not to say that Huddersfield Town didn't do anything wrong, or that mm. they were perfect, or that they were at their best. But it's just to say, if if Leeds, if you play that game a hundred times and Leeds play like that, regardless of how well Town play, Leeds win that game. Win that game, ninety-five percent yeah. of the time. At this point in time, and this is what it's important to say, at, with this squad. In this context, at this point of time, that's that's how it is. I think when you when you can see the whole pitch, you see more than anything how a the hunting impacts and b just the speed, the transition speed from defence to midfield to attack. And there are going to be Premier League teams who struggle with it. Yeah, there are. So yeah, we are praising. Leeds I mean, Arsenal I know, did struggle with it. Yeah, early this season. I know we're praising Leeds. I know that won't go down well with some who are listening to this, but it's important to say it because there has been a reaction from some elements of, of town fans where it's it's just like, really? Did you really think you were going to go and overcome that? Yeah. I mean, town playing at their absolute best, at their absolute best, they still wouldn't win that game. No. I don't think, not, not with Leeds playing like that. As I said, I, I, I don't think anybody in the Championship lives with them. But then, again, I think it's important to say, Town conceded a, an early second-half goal. They weathered a sort of five, ten-minute spell where Leeds United were just rampant, just carving them open. But then they ground themselves back into it and stopped some of the rot, didn't concede any more, in a season when goal difference could be vital, mm-hmm. let's be honest. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they didn't have a load of clear-cut chances. They didn't create much. They didn't give the fans much to sing about. But they also didn't capitulate and get done like they did at Bristol or like they did at Stoke at home. Yeah. And, again, these markers... I know we're trying to be positive, but these are markers of progress. Yeah. Particularly, bearing in mind, they'd just come off 
arguably their two best performances of the whole season. Mm. And uh, we've spoken to people who are still convinced that there's been no progress under the Cowleys and that there's you know there's been no signs mm. that they're moving forward. And you know, and I just I can't see. And I understand that there's going to be panic when they lose, given the position mm. that they're in until they are safe. But I just can't get on board at all with the idea that there's been no improvement in a team no. that had one point from their first eight games. Yeah. And it's almost as though, to me, people are for, people forget that they were in that relegation fight at the start of the season and mm-hmm. how knackered they were. And then each time they lose, they're then suddenly surprised to remember that they're in a relegation battle. Yeah. It's, I think there's something in that. It's... You know, we're not having a go at town fans or anything like that. We both completely understand how football works and how football fandom works and everything. But sometimes you have to take a slight helicopter view and go, that was almost a free hit at the weekend. Yeah. I mean, bear in mind, I was looking and Leeds United have taken points off, off everybody around them. There's only Wigan who've won, who've beaten mm-hmm. them. So, you know, how you... I've told you before, Steve, I, I measure from weekend to weekend how you do against the opposition and how that opposition does against those around you because it's picking up points and everybody else over the course of the season and yeah I I just I can understand the negativity but I can't understand people being despondent after that game and there were some people who were despondent and it's like yeah we, we know about local pride and everything else but there was there was some real context going on around that game and there there were positives and town should have had a penalty yeah they should have <laughs> without a, a shadow of a doubt yeah and i i said that to you in the ground leon sat next to me said no i know it wasn't a penalty but i said to you yeah. we were actually up in the tv gantry so we couldn't have been much further away from it <laughs> and i said to you straight away that's a penalty yeah. It was clearly a penalty and watching it back it's clearly a penalty yeah i i honestly don't know what the referee thinks has happened. The only thing I can think that he's decided not to give it is the ball goes out the other way. It's not going towards goal. Like if Stephen hadn't been brought down, that ball's going out for a goal kick anyway. Yeah. And I think that has allowed him to go. Do you know what? I'm yeah. not going to give this, even though he should have done. Yeah. And he, I but mean, that's abs- that's the uh, that's the only thing looking at it again that I mm. could think. Why is he not given that? And Danny Cowley was rightfully angry about that as well because yeah. like he says you know you've got five minutes left in the game who knows what might happen Leeds I think they're taking Harrison off at that point as mm. well aren't they and the player that brought him down was on a, on, on a yellow on a yellow as well yeah and I, I said to you if nothing else when have you ever seen Stearman dive yeah he just, you know he doesn't he was fantastic by the way yeah. Saturday Stearman Stearman and O'Brien yeah. we thought were, were head and shoulders Chalaber in the first half was really good mm. as well thought he Came out of the game a little bit second half, but yeah, Sturman has been. Uh, Chalabar got that that knock he took off the ball. Yeah. He went down really heavily, and I said to you, he's done for. And he got up and he played the rest of the game, but he was noticeably not quite the same player after mm-hmm. that. And I wonder if, you know, maybe if you'd have had a fit Jonathan Hogg on the bench, yeah, if he might have come on at that point, but. So there were, you know, there were positives. Should have had a penalty, you know, and all these other things. But I don't think there were tons of positives. This is the thing. No. So you can understand there were little things that you had to look for. That's yeah. the issue, isn't it? Yeah. But but the thing is, I don't think it's as overwhelmingly negative as a lot of people would no. make out. I mean, again, it's it's context, and I th- I think part of the issue, obviously, is. The, the last two years that, that Town have had, I think the defeats, and particularly a defeat in a derby, brings it all flooding back for a lot of people. Yeah. And, you know, it isn't good that they're back in a relegation battle when mm. last year in the Premier League, you know, well, last year they were in the Premier League full stop. It's not good that they've come down into a, into a relegation fight when people would have expected that two years in the Premier League would give them a platform to be a top 10 team. Th- those things are all true. However, I think it's when there's been so many changes it's not like they've not changed the manager they've changed the manager twice it's not like they've that the the chairman is still there you know mm. it's still the same chairman and the same chief exec yeah. and all the same structure and you can say well why do you keep making the same mistakes 
all of that has changed as well and it's they've inherited a lot of problems and I think they've set about trying to improve it they've not got everything right mm. but you have to look at it and say well as we said on the podcast before the big decisions they have had to make have been who do we pick to replace Jan Siever mm. and they got the best managers, as far as we're concerned, they could possibly have got in the Cowboys. But they, they've also, all of this stuff, there's not, there's nothing in there that's a quick fix. No. That's and, that's the problem. And where the, and the other one was the January transfer window. Mm. And I don't think there's many people that would say they didn't have a good transfer window. No. The, players, the six players they brought in have all made a big difference to mm. the, you know, what town's upper limit is. You know, Emil Smith-Rowe. We know what a good player he is. Chris Willock is looking sharp on the right wing. Richard Stearman, we just mentioned, is doing really well. Jonas Lerzel is probably the best goalkeeper they could have possibly got, given mm. that Grabara got his injury. You know, it's uh, Toffolo has been brilliant at left-back. Am I missing mm. anyone? Andy King, probably the only one that you would say we've not yeah, seen much of him. But I think even, I think even Andy King is... Uh, Sometimes it's not just about what they do on the pitch, and he's yeah. obviously a very experienced pro, and he will be helping younger players like Chalabar and and Willock etc. with with life, with being yeah. on loan, <laughs> you know, yeah. with the simple things. Yeah, this is this is the problem. I completely, I think you're absolutely right, and I I think it's very easy in football to to be in love with quick term fixes, you know. Yeah. When Danny Simpson came in, we were all in love with Danny Simpson. Now Danny Simpson's an issue. Yeah, it's just the nature of of football, really. Yeah. And, and the, all of Town's problems have been these major long term issues. So finding the right manager, reversing the trend in this squad, and that's going to take three transfer windows, not one, mm-hmm. from the Cowleys. Sorting out the sporting director slash technical director position, mm-hmm. sorting out the commercial structure, sorting out the chief executive position, changing a few members of the board as well at the very top. All of these things make decisions harder. They make issues seem bigger than they are. It's You can't underestimate that everything at that football club has changed. Yeah. Like and, everything. And... and <laughs> Again, if you sort of helicopter out, you can understand, you know, there's there's probably not many clubs that have had such a precipitous decline from wh- from where they were as mm. town over the last two years, sort of up and down the country. No one is saying that that is not the case. No. But I think at this point you have to take it. It's like, we are where we are. Is it getting better yeah. from where we are? And to me, it is. Yeah. And that's that's all you can ask for. For all you can still, you're entitled to be angry or upset about mm. what's gone before. From where we are now, they're the moving one, in the right direction. The one thing nobody at that football club can do is make it June. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Because that's what that's the reality of what town actually need is the summer. Yeah. And as good as the loan players are, there's one or two decisions to be made on a couple of them. There's decisions to be made on people in the squad. They they need to get literally get to June, work out what they've got, work out what they've need, get proactive, give the Cowleys a full pre-season to get the fitness level. That pre-season's going to be massive. Yeah, I mean, the fitness levels when the Cowleys came in, we spoke about it on the pod, and it, that was Jan's big downfall, really. Yes. That, that squad was nowhere near fit enough. No. And that, that is not an issue that a new manager can come in and in two weeks suddenly they're fine to play three three games in a week. They had to really increase their workload. What happens when you increase a workload suddenly like that? You get a load of injuries. And that's exactly what happened with town. They suddenly lurched into an injury crisis. Having had basically no injuries at all. Exactly. Because yeah. their workload was, you yeah. know, too... Too light. Too low. So there was, they've had so much rubbish they've had to deal with that you have to look at something like the Leeds game and say yeah local pride is bruised but it's just another step on the road it really is it's just another game gone in a season that needs to end as quickly as possible as far as town concerned with them whether they finish one place above or whether they finish 10 places above the season just needs to end really so they can get on with addressing the next phase of of problems, yeah. you know, rather than spending the season firefighting, which is what they have been doing. Yeah. 
I think it's worth talking a little bit about Danny Cowley's comments, which I know have rubbed a few people up the wrong way. Yeah. So the fact that he came out and was so sort of glowing in his uh, assessment of Leeds United mm. and saying that he enjoyed the game in a sadistic yeah. way, that Marcelo Bielsa is a genius, etc., etc. I know a lot of fans were upset by that because... And again, you can understand why, because when you've just lost to your local rivals, the last thing you want to hear is your your manager coming out and saying how brilliant they are. Yeah. But I I wrote a piece about this on Monday, and I think it's a byproduct of Danny Cowley, other than injuries, will always give an honest answer. Mm. And the other mm. important context is those quotes came from a press conference where there were eight questions asked and five of them were asked by people covering Leeds United yeah. and only Leeds United. The other three I asked, um, because Mel had already spoken to Danny outside. So I, I was sat next to you. Yeah. I was typing away. I know. So Mel had already spoken to Danny outside, so I knew that Mel had already covered a lot of the ground, so mm. I only chipped in a couple. But five of the questions came from, from Leeds. And they were people. all, uh, as they can read in your piece, they were also all very loaded questions. Yeah, they were. They're basically, it was... It was, it was the equivalent of saying, Marcelo Bielsa's is great, isn't he, Danny? Yeah, it And really I mean, was. you can't turn around and go, no, I don't yeah. like him. Yeah. <laughs> In that situation, you just can't do it. I think he could have tempered his praise a little bit if he'd have thought about the fan reaction. But at the same time, very easy to forget that this is Danny Cowley's first... He's not. He's not even done six months in the championship yet, has he? Just over six months. Is it just over? Just now? over. Yeah, ninth of September he came in. He's still on a learning curve himself, and these. I mean, you're right. We both know. We've done enough press conferences to know he is too honest sometimes. <laughs> I mean, he's brilliant from our point of view. Yeah. Because we get other managers who come in um, straight back. Straight everything. back. Everything. And after after a defeat, I think Lee Bowyer came in after a defeat, and I think he was in the press room for a, if he was in for three minutes, I'd mm. be staggered. Um, and there's been others like that too. Danny, win, lose or draw, always gives you ten to fifteen minutes. Yeah. Always. And if you ask him a question, he gives you an answer, which yeah. sounds a silly thing to say, but so I I understand some of the fan reaction. And when they say it's like a sort of lower league mentality, I do think there's an element of that because that's where Danny Cowley's come from. That's what he's done. Yeah. He's, as I said, he's still learning. He's still... and There's certain <sighs> things that it's less and less, but I think certainly in the early days of, of the Cowley's being here, there were certain things where you and I would look at each other and go, he's really enjoying this, isn't he? Yes. Like he's yeah. clearly enjoying the novelty yeah. of going to such a ground or whatever mm. but the thing is is that it's not like he's like that after every defeat no you know we, we've been we've done post-match press conferences where he has just stared at the floor and just sort of padded mm. the, the touchline mm. uh, padded the turf back yeah. into the ground until there's almost a you know a crater there because of how sort of frustrated he's yeah. been you know sort of not stamping his feet but and You've commented to me before, Dave, there's probably, out of all the managers in Britain, there's probably no one with a bigger difference yeah. between them after a defeat and them mm. after a win. Mm. But I think Saturday, again, it's he had the same attitude we did, which was, well, we would just been done there by a really good team. Yeah. And then he gets five loaded questions yeah. and he answers them honestly instead of sitting there and thinking how's this going to look when it comes out in a written piece I don't blame him for not thinking that but there are certain there are certain managers who've been doing it that long or are experienced enough to just know to do those things naturally the other thing is Steve I don't think there was anything particularly wrong in what he said he he talked about in the home game he talked about after how Bielsa has actually been a bit of a role model for him and how he went to see was it England play Chile at Wembley and you know, took a load of notes and took yeah. a load of stuff away from it. And suddenly he's had two games this season where he's up against him on an equal footing. Yeah. It's, I, I can understand the reaction. Thing is, if they had a third meeting, I don't think the reaction would be the same. 
because I think at that point, when you've played, when you've had them at your place, and then you've mm-hmm. gone to their place, novelty's gone. Then yeah, novelty's over, and it's all about the football then and yeah. the game that you've just played. And and I think it would be a mistake to to look at and understand why you'd have this reading of it. But to look at that and just think, well, he was just happy to be there. Mm. No, he wanted to win that game. Mm. I guarantee you he wanted to win that game more than any other game he's played this mm. season. If he didn't want to win the, that game, he wouldn't have set the team up to attack. He wouldn't have set the press as high as he did. He wouldn't have played Willock. No. He'd have played Kachunga. Yeah. He absolutely wanted to win that game. Yeah. It's just that they were overcome by Leeds. So... I, you know, I completely get it from the fans' point of view. They don't want their manager, and they probably don't want their podcast praising Leeds. But at the same time, sometimes you have to be honest and you have to go, yeah, there was nothing he could do. And like I say, I think if it happened again, I don't think he'd say the same things. I think my impression as well was he brushed over the penalty in the press conference. And I think in different circumstances... He's very good at saying, I don't like talking about the referees and then talking about the referees. Yeah. He did say <laughs> he thought it was a penalty. He yeah. Did, he did. I, I think in different circumstances, he would have gone a bit more in depth on the actual game itself because there was a lot yeah. of, even in those questions, there was a lot that wasn't actually about the game. It's about the wider world. And you're yeah. like. It was questions like, uh, does being here at Leeds and the atmosphere at Ellen Road remind you of when you were getting promoted at, at Lincoln and everyone yeah. was dreaming and that was lit, that was a question and someone what, asked and what is that to do with Huddersfield Town yeah. and the 90 minutes that has just and, been and that's played the, and even then he tried to put that question back to if you read the transcript which is on the yeah. website yeah. he actually tries to turn that into a Huddersfield Town answer Yeah, he talks about the tactics and why they mm. picked the strategy they did and blah 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 it's the problem is it's just very very easy to pick out a couple of the quotes and go even your manager yeah loves us yeah and that so I get that I that's why I completely understand it yeah and you, you wouldn't like it if the Croydon if if you know if your manager came out and praised Croydon and said they were the best team in the Premier League and Croydon are in the Premier League <laughs> really um, so yeah so I think uh, it's just one of them situations that I think. Danny will probably learn from, but it, yeah, I, re- I remember Brendan Rodgers getting similar stick at Liverpool. I, I remember um, last couple of seasons, Wagner, the first season in the Premier League, going into press conferences, and well over half the questions he asked were just directly about the opposition, nothing to do with Huddersfield yeah. Town. It must be great to play Liverpool. Yeah. You know, it, it must be great to when you come up against players like da 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 and da da da. So he got to the point where he was incredibly frustrated in a press conference because he just he just didn't give you anything because yeah. he was quite he, guarded he got quite and, frosty, he was, didn't he? and all he would he'd say is sort of you know we are little Huddersfield because that was the mentality the press room was almost asking him for you know treat mm-hmm. every game like it's a third round FA Cup tie basically mm-hmm. and you've been drawn at Premier League Newcastle or Premier League Liverpool or what have you yeah. so it's it's a difficult it's as I said it's just something that that Danny needs to learn really and the thing is that Lincoln the spotlight's not like it is in the championship you know the press room he he will have done press conferences. You and I both know after games, with maybe four people in there. Yeah, you yeah. know sometimes potentially even less than that. Well, I mean, flipping heck, I mean the Liverpool game last season. I always remember there were must have been fifty people in there because Liverpool yeah. obviously big story, and it was a Friday night game. It was on telly, everything mm. like that, and there were a million questions for Jurgen Klopp yeah. and then Jan came out and I was literally the only person that asked him anything at all Yeah. and at the end he even said thank you for talking to me and yeah. it's like oh Jan yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't be feeling sorry for the manager of your team should you but, they, but this is how it is and I think there was a bit of that in you know Leeds have this big club mentality yeah. personally I think a big club <laughs> perhaps should have been in the Premier League since Facebook was invented but um, <laughs> I will, I'm just throwing the town fans a bone with yeah, that one yeah, yeah. but at the same time they do conduct themselves a certain way yeah. and that really came across in the press comments from the local guys who are all good guys and what have you but 
obviously that is their line of questioning to opposition managers that's yeah. what they do so and the other thing is those are the quotes that go into the papers and they get the clicks because everybody wants to read about how wonderful he is yeah. and well the, the other point i made in that piece was he'd also done the tv interview he'd done the club's official social media and he'd done radio leads and in none of those was he going on about leads no. it was literally just when he got to the press the print one yeah, because that's what people were asking about. Yeah, and he had a there was a little cluster of people in front of him. This was the other thing as well. I thought, which is is partly to blame me and you, Steve. Really, is that we were sat a couple of rows from the back and to the side because I was furiously doing the conclusions. You were doing finishing off the live blog and transcribing, yeah. and there was a cluster of journalists in the middle and at the front. And obviously, Danny Cowley comes in and they go straight to them first. And I thought about it afterwards. And I thought it might have been different if me and you had sat yeah. on the front and Dave could come straight to us and we could have done three or four town questions straight off the bat. Mm. And then the Leeds guys could have come in with their mm. angle. And it may have come across a bit differently, um, yeah. which I think in the optic that didn't particularly help. So blame me and Steve. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's, as you say, probably wouldn't do that again. I would be surprised, given the response it got. But I don't think he, at the same time, I don't think he said anything. No, no, but I do understand it. I do understand it, you know, and it's important to say that because we do defend the club a lot because we can, we do have a bit of a helicopter view. But in that instance, I can completely understand it while also, you know, seeing both sides, really. How's the fence? Joni Mitchell, both sides now, isn't it? Yeah. Right, lovely. So, Wigan Athletic coming up on mm. Saturday, aren't they? Mm. Um, how do you see that game going, Dave? <laughs> I, like, well, I may as well get myself in trouble again. <laughs> I, I, Dave, I, I hate Wigan Athletic, Patrick. I've done Wigan, I think I've done them six or seven times this season, and I maintain I do not think they're a good side. Mm. I don't think they've punched above their weight by getting here or anything like that, but they're not great going forward. They've got a couple of... What's weird about Wigan is they've got a couple of players who are properly outstanding, Mm. like brilliant, and then everybody else is just completely forgettable and and League One but in this run the two players that are really outstanding aren't the ones that are propping them up so everybody else has come to the party a bit but I just think A I think they've peaked too early I think having this little bubble of form has come too early they really need to put it together in a couple of games and really finish that season strong as Hull drop like a stone yeah and Charlton yeah and Wednesday um but the other side of it is I really feel like one loss and that bubble will burst and they'll be back back down to earth with a bump. And I, I genuinely think Town are too good for them. I genuinely think Town should beat them. I don't think a draw's the worst result in the world. No, given, given the run that they're on. And I, I never would have said that no. two weeks ago. I never would have said a draw would be okay against Wigan but mm. I think as you say because there's other teams that have got sucked mm. back into it it probably yeah. wouldn't be the end of the world I, as long as they win one of the other games yeah precisely against Birmingham or Forest that's the problem if they draw they have to follow that up with something yeah but yeah I, would, I don't think it'd be the worst result but I, I do I do think Town will win I think Town have got way too much I think about Emil Smith-Rowe, who was marked out of that Leeds game, yeah. um, and I, when I say marked out, not just by having a man physically on him, Leeds deliberately put men into the areas that they know he likes to drift yeah. into on that right-hand side to stop him being able to do that. Wigan won't be able to do that. No. They, they, just, they haven't got the personnel who can cope with that. I think about giving Willock another run, and Willock was really bright for 40 minutes yeah. on Saturday, and then his legs went because he was having to cover Danny Simpson as well. I, I, I'm quite sort of bold in that I think I think Town could win 2 or 3 nil. I really yeah. do. But I've said, you know, as I've said all along, I just don't think Wigan are the side that some of their results have pointed towards. It's an interesting take given that 
their run. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, I know, I know. But it I'm happens. wide open. I'm wide open as but, always. But it, <laughs> I'll leave that. <laughs> but it does happen. I mean, Town had that seven-game unbeaten run earlier mm. this season. So I think every it's a league where everyone gets their spell. I think. Yeah. You know, Barnsley had one sort of round the yeah. turn of the new year, precisely, where they won four in a row or something like that. So it's uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think if they lose, it's really going to kick off. And, and probably yeah. rightly so, to be And honest. rightly so, because as I said, I you know, if they lose, I will be the first to criticise myself because I can't sit there and say I don't think Wigan are actually that good. Yeah. And then if they beat Town, go, <laughs> well, they're a good side. I, you know, I would kick off myself. but And if Town lose, they are back in serious trouble. Yeah, you know, they are, they, yeah. they've, their margin for error is, is not fantastic. But the, no. That's not to say that they can't afford to lose any games. But you look at that that Wigan game and that Luton game that are coming up, and and those two they certainly can't afford to but lose. Like for me, if you set up like you did against Leeds, mm. don't change anything. Set up like you did against Mel Leeds. Mel and I were looking at a projected lineup, and we both said probably unchanged. Yeah, again, and same mentality, same high press. Wigan are not Leeds United. No. So I I honestly think you know Town Town should and could win that two or three. If nil. they play like they did against Bristol and Charlton. Yeah. And they should do, yeah. And I the the other thing is I think if as soon as you go one go ahead against Wigan. I mean Wigan drew with uh was it Luton at the weekend? Mm. And I mean the the highlights on Quest indicated that it was perhaps the worst game of football <laughs> as anybody's ever seen. So I think as long as town go ahead in the game I can't see anything but a town win. You know, I'm I'm leaving myself wide open to get pelters here, but I I genuinely think town should and could win that. Town should beat Luton at home. Yes, definitely. And I'm I'm almost coming to the point the way other clubs are sinking like a stone, those two results on their own could be enough, but and there'll the, be more besides that, I'm sure. The other thing I think you can't sort of count out is we're getting to a stage of the season where Town will be playing against teams that don't have anything to play for. Mm. You know, they've got Reading coming up who are looking reasonably comfortable. Yep. West Brom, they've got the penultimate game, I think. Yeah. And they could they could have already got their promotion then. I think Millwall the could way be out of the playoff race by the final day. Yeah, I think the way it's going, I think West Brom and Leeds will be home and hosed yeah. by then and I think the championship will be done. Mm. So, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And Reading are a funny side I've done Reading twice this year and they're just they're just they're a bit of a sort of nothing side I don't you know they might win they might lose <laughs> they, they're just generally just like a mid-table sort of treading water side they're an, so they're an NPC is yeah what yeah so uh, there's opportunities there but I I just I just think that Cowley will stay as bold as he did against Leeds, yeah. against other sides, but other sides aren't that Leeds United, and they'll be fine. They'll be absolutely yeah. fine. We're talking about team selection. Emil Smithrow, we get the impression as a policy that he won't start all three games in a three-game week. Yeah. We are going into a three-game week. Mm-hmm. Which of those three games? So we've got, what have we got? We've got Wigan Forest. at home, Forest away, and then Birmingham, Birmingham. away. Which of those games do you think, if Smith-Rowe has to be rested for one of them, what would you go for? He has to start, for me, Clive. Against Wigan. He has to start yeah. against Wigan. I th- and I think Cowley he's wants got to start him at home. Yeah, he's got to start the home game. I think you rest him for the Forest game. Yeah. Because Forest ultimately are a weird side who have had, you know, you talked about clubs putting runs together. Forest only play in good or bad runs. They yeah. they never sort of middling. They're either absolutely brilliant and beating everybody off the park, or they're absolute garbage <laughs> and losing to all and sundry. So I've no idea on that game. I genuinely couldn't call it. Town won the home game. Yeah, I'd suggest a draw at the City Ground would be really fantastic. Yeah. you know yeah. nobody would argue with that. And but then the Birmingham game again. Birmingham are a funny side. They there are games to show up for and games when they they really categorically don't. Mm. My my gut feeling on the Birmingham game is that I would put a little more stock in winning that than yeah. the Forest game. So I would, I would perhaps you. rest Smith Rowe for, for Forest. 
And they have got Pritchard back This now. is it. This is what I was leading into, yeah. So, do you... Here's a question for you, Stephen Chicken, if that uh, is even your real name. <laughs> do you, when you rest Smithrow, do you start Pritchard or do you play O'Brien, but on the understanding you're going to give Pritchard probably 40 minutes and drop O'Brien back? I think you play Pritchard at this stage. I think they have to. And... Not just because he's on the comeback from injury, but because I think he needs the confidence that, yeah. that starting a game would bring him. You also have to remember Emil Smithrow probably won't be at the club next season. Yep. Alex Pritchard almost certainly will, mm. unless someone comes in for him, but he's barely played any football this year, so it'd be a bit of a gamble for a team to come with a big They're offer. They're not going to offer the right money for no, him exactly. either, are they? So they need to get Pritchard back on track. And Cowley's basically said that he aims to give... Pritchard get to the point where he can get 60-70 minutes going into this mm. three game week and I assume he means 60-70 minutes in a game yeah. rather than across the three games Yeah, and that would suggest he's going to start so it was interesting actually against Leeds that rather when Pritchard came on he came on for Willock yeah, and, he, switched to the right, and he put Smithrow to the it only mm. lasted about four minutes but yeah it was mm. uh, I mean it's, Cowley's hinted at that before because we've asked him how do you get them both in the same team and he said well good players find a way and I think yeah. we got a hint against Leeds that the way he would do that would be mm. to play Smithrow on the right see I really really like Willock I'm 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 a big fan and as I said I thought for 40 minutes I thought he was really good against Leeds there was one run that was outstanding where he cut yeah. started on the right and won a free kick on the left just outside the box because he just kept going and beating people but the problem with Willock is He's nowhere near up to speed in terms of 90 minutes yet. Mm. And how long is that going to take? Because he seems to have got to a point and he's not getting beyond that. Yeah. So this problem on the right-hand side, you know, Town have got issues on that right-hand side, regardless of who they play, with Simpson and not having the cover there that Kachunga provided mm. has exposed Simpson a little bit, to say the least. But... The Smith-Rowe thing on the right, my only issue with that is, exactly like they did with Pritchard last season, instead of just getting a couple of really good players on the pitch doing what they do, you're suddenly compromising one of them. Yeah. So when you played that 4-3-3 and Pritchard ended up playing on the right-hand side, you just uh, weren't getting... You weren't uh, getting any, anything out of him. Yeah. And I would worry that suddenly you put Smith-Rowe on the right and you lose all that dynamism through the middle because Pritchard, even at his best, he's not yeah. a real, he's not a dynamo in the middle like Smith Rowe is, who no. wants to get the ball on the turn and drive at people. No, he's a give and receive. Yeah, so I don't know. They're very different styles and different players. It's yeah. it's a bit of a conundrum. But I don't like O'Brien as a ten. So no, I think he serves a purpose away from home. The the Brentford mm. plan, pressing from the front, etc., yeah. etc. But, I mean, we saw the the Derby and Swansea games, the two away games that Smithrow missed in the previous three-game weeks. O'Brien played as a 10, but he wasn't a 10. I think I called him Schrodinger's 10 on yeah. Monday because Cowley said it was actually, it wasn't 4-2-3-1. It was 4-4-2 off the ball and 4-3-3 on the ball. Yeah. So he was kind of doing the stuff you'd expect a 10 to do, but he wasn't playing as a 10 at mm. any point. So that, I think compromises the style and he wants to play that 4-2-3-1 and we've mm. seen even against Leeds you know as good as they are as we mentioned Leeds are good um, <laughs> he wanted to play that attacking style and keep that, yeah. that consistency of selection so I think having Pritchard back even if even if it's just a case of getting 6 out of 10 performances from him yeah. and getting his fitness up for next season I think is going to be more valuable and less disruptive than having to put a, a mm. square peg in that round hole and and disrupting and, and moving away from a system that we've seen is starting to work yeah. I think on a quieter week we will we'll spend a bit of time talking about the squad problems over the summer because yeah. we both identified Town have got issues this summer big time recruitment wise but Pritchard is somebody who's going to be there next season barring a miracle so I think you're right I think puts get some minutes into him get some confidence into him mm. I mean I, I felt for him coming on on Saturday 2-0 yeah. down it was, it was on a hide into nothing, against though. a team who are just every single player is just harem scare him running round him 
crashing in, crunching in. I mean, he got one bad tackle and jumped up and was all right from it. It was. It really was a bit of a hiding to nothing coming on in that situation. And and uh, yeah, someone did ask Callie about that after the game, and he basically said, yeah, I mean, but we feel like those twenty minutes mm. or whatever it was will stand him in good stead. Yeah. This week, like, yeah. I don't think they were expecting him to go on and change the game. No. I think they put him on with a view to one saving Smithrow's mm. legs, although it was Willock that went off. Saving Willock and Smithrow's legs a bit, but also just looking ahead to this week and thinking, Joe, what if we get twenty more minutes into him, get a bit more confidence, yeah. make him feel like his knee isn't going to, you know, fall off if he plays. Yeah, just being around the changing room as well, yeah. isn't it? Again, and all that sort of thing. How many points do they get next week then? <sighs> We've. I mean, we've said for a while now they just need to get win, lose, draw, win, lose, draw, win, lose, draw through to the end of the season and they're fine. So I think target is probably four, but I expect that they'll get more than that. I expect they might get six. How about you? I, funnily enough, I think they might get four. Yeah. I think they'll beat Wigan and I think they, they'll they draw one of the others and lose one of the others. I think they'll stay on that exact win-lose-draw yeah. path. Just because I think three-game weeks in the Championship are incredibly hard. Yeah. Really, really hard. They they take it out of players, managers, everyone. And it's very, very difficult to... I mean, if you get seven points out of a three-game week, that's basically worth, you know... It's worth getting 15 points because nobody else will be anywhere near. Yeah. It, the top sides don't get nine points out of a three-game week, no, do they? they? Don't, no, they So no. it's, I I think four points. Four would up, be perfectly fine. And I yeah, I don't think there's a particularly if they can I get three of them yeah. against Wigan, but so yeah. that they that that increases the zone between them two. Then although fine. Wigan aren't even the team that they're trying to get away from at the moment. No. We're going to part of that cluster above the drop zone now. So, yeah. And obviously, you know, Charlton are in disarray at the moment. Hull haven't won since New Year's Day. No, and I, I mean, I've seen the last couple of Hull games and they are yeah. dreadful. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely dreadful. So, yeah, it's, it sounds a sort of back at, well, it sounds a poor thing to say, but I think if nothing else, Town are going to get saved by other people around them. But I think they'll do more than enough on their own anyway. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, let's hope you're right. You can follow us at Examiner HDAFC. We're at examinerlive.co.uk and you'll be glad to know that we're in blue now and not red, which is nice as Yorkshire Live. So, yeah, uh, follow us on Twitter, like and subscribe, tell a friend, and we will see you next time. See you later. Bye. Bye.